0: This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the latest episode of Healthcare Strategies. Today, I am pleased to be joined by my colleague, Eric Wicklin. Hello, Eric. Hello. All right. So, Eric, today I have you in the studio so we can talk a little bit about RPM, remote patient monitoring, which seems to have gained significant interest over the past year like every other form of virtual care possible. Um, before we kind of get into it, can you tell me a little bit more about the basics of RPM and how it differs
1: from other telehealth offerings in the space? Certainly. RPM really, it started going back a ways. It, it kind of started with consumer-facing devices market took off, the the, the wearables, the, uh, the the smart devices Fitbits and the Apple Watches, it gave people an opportunity to track their health at home. Providers were interested in doing that, but they weren't interested in using consumer-facing devices. They didn't trust the data coming off of them, and uh, they, they, just, they weren't yet ready for RPM. So we didn't really see RPM take hold until we started seeing uh, clinical devices come out on clinical platforms. So prior to, and and we're going to use COVID-19 as as a measuring point for this, prior to COVID-19, the RPM programs were small. They were specific. They were targeting specific populations, usually chronic care management or people discharged from the hospital after an operation. Uh, The idea was to monitor them at home and affect care management on the fly rather than whenever they would come back to the office. At that time, RPM is not considered telehealth. RPM is more of a a platform that that can and will use a combination of devices and and some home health visits um, in some cases. It wasn't recognized by uh, CMS for Medicare coverage until 2019. That was the first time that was actually included. CMS added five, I believe, five or six CPT codes for for the collection of data from remote devices at, at home for remote care management. Altogether, a healthcare provider might be able to get $200 worth of uh, reimbursements out of those six codes. They were very specific and very restricted, uh, certainly not enough to spur any growth in the program, but it was a foot in the door. And it, it, it allowed people, it allowed healthcare providers to start thinking about how they could use RPM to to improve patient care. Um, COVID-19 changed the game uh, th- through everything. Telehealth, RPM. Uh, My life. Everybody's life, yes. It just, it just pushed everything forward. Uh, we saw telehealth adoption and expansion, 10 years worth of d- adoption and expansion in a year and a half. Um, everybody was using it, and everybody was just was jumping onto the bandwagon and using it whichever way they could use it, good or bad. Uh, There were a lot of programs out there that uh, the hospital just felt, we'll throw this out there, see if it works, if it doesn't. Nothing lost. Kind of like spaghetti thrown on the wall, see what sticks, see what doesn't. Uh, That was telehealth. Uh, Through that and in time, as as we moved on, hospitals, health systems, they started realizing that they could use RPM for COVID-19 care management. They could keep the patient's who were coming into their emergency, uh, into their overcrowded and sometimes closed emergency room, they could keep the patients at home and use devices and uh, telehealth platforms to to care for them at home. Now, these were specific patients. These are ones who were not sick enough to be in the ER or the ICU. So when we started seeing that with COVID-19, that's when RPM started picking up. That's when hospitals and health systems started realizing that they could do more of that. Um, now, as we get beyond COVID nineteen, we are starting to see providers, hospitals, health systems, clinics, even small medical practices, start looking at RPM as a as a way of reducing in person traffic, unnecessary in person traffic, and to maintain care at, at home, basically around the clock, in between visits, whatever they can do for it. I mean, the future, we're going to see RPM. in um, in use for chronic care management especially, but for uh, behavioral health care, for uh, post-operative rehab at home, uh, there's a lot of different uses for it. And uh, what we need now is for, first of all, for Medicare to recognize it and start reimbursing better. And we will probably see some sort of congressional action to to give RPM the same standing as it does telehealth um, and, and some of the other platforms. And again, the, the difference between telehealth and RPM, not only is because Medicare separated the two, Medicare is a different CPT codes for RPM as they do for telehealth. What a lot of people think is to enable RPM to expand differently than telehealth. Telehealth still has a lot of different uh, rules and regulations surrounding it. RPM could evolve into a a much different type of platform that includes telehealth, that includes mobile health devices, smart devices in the home, and home health visits.
0: What are you hearing on the commercial side? You've, You've referenced Medicare. Medicare is obviously the biggest spender in the country. Yes. But there's obviously a cost incurred for the devices themselves, which I also want your input on what are the types of devices we're talking about, but what can private payers do? to
1: increase the adoption and utility of of some of these RPM. Private payers are a little bit more forward-thinking than Medicare is right now. Medicare really wants a lot of proof before they'll get into reimbursement. They're looking for studies. They're looking for the results of, of pilot programs. They're going to get them. Especially because of COVID nineteen, private payers are—they've been moving a little faster on this. They see this, as, you know, as I've said, as a means of, of improving care management in the home. The, the particular goals are to reduce re, uh, re-hospital hospital readmissions, which, which are costly, expensive, and to reduce um, these these sudden uh, and preventable. Healthcare emergencies that usually happen in the home, an exacerbation of a of a condition uh, that requires hospitalization or requires a doctor's visit or requires anything that, that will cost a lot of money and take time and effort. If you can create a platform at home that uses devices to monitor patients around the clock and Give providers a heads up when there's a when there's a pending health emergency. You're going to reduce uh, those health emergencies. You're going to be able to fend off or to prevent um, emergencies and expensive health conditions. So the idea then is to to, to use devices that can do this that providers uh, trust. I mean, there's a there's a market now for clinical grade RPM devices. Um, you're seeing a lot of those types of things. Um, and you, you've also got providers that are just starting to look at the commercial market, the, the consumer market, the Fitbits, the Apple Watches, and some of the other wearables. Um, smart devices in the home could include weight, uh, scales, uh, blood pressure cuffs. Uh, uh, there's a whole market for diabetes care devices from uh, blood glucose monitors and, and so on and so forth. Um, they're, basically, they're looking for anything that can give them a, a reliable and accurate stream of data. Um, on the other end of an RPM platform, of course, you've got to have the tools and devices, the telehealth platform on the back end to uh, gather this data and and break it into usable chunks and to to give the, the care provider the information he or she needs. Um, so getting back to the question, private payers are, are looking at this a little bit faster than CMS is. They see this as a means of reducing unnecessary costs and improving care management at home, improving clinical outcomes down the line, and also as a means of pushing health and wellness. It gives them a channel to to not only collect data from patients, but to nudge them with suggestions um, and access to resources, especially for those in the uh, the chronic care management. If you can help somebody with diabetes manage their care uh, continuously, Rather than whenever they show up at the doctor's office, or whenever they show up at the ER, you can reduce those costs those 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 emergencies, those emergent health issues down the line, and and and, and, and really uh, reduce the cost of, of of healthcare. It's one of those things if you if you've lived in a household with somebody who has diabetes, they've been
0: collecting data every day, but it was for short-term reasons, blood sugar monitoring, figuring Mm -hmm. out when they take their medication, but it was never shared outwardly. But now we're getting into that point of actually sharing that information in real-time, semi-real-time, right?
1: Yeah, and the technology is getting better. I mean, originally, some of the first use cases for RPM were, especially for cardiac care, uh, monitoring uh, heart rhythm. From the home, I mean the, the old fashioned method was the holter monitor. You go into the clinic, you get this thing strapped onto you, you sit there for what an hour or so while the doctor measures your your, your heart rhythm or so, and then you 're done. you go home. The doctor uses that to to manage care or to, to create a care management plan now you 're starting to get wearable monitors that can that can track heartbeat uh, heart rhythm other other data uh, or other conditions other other vital signs on a, on a continuous basis from home. As the technology gets better, that data is transmitted without the patient doing anything. That's just transmitted straight to the care provider. Same with diabetes. Uh, we are starting to see some smart monitors and stuff now. So that you know, the old-fashioned method is the the person with diabetes would finger prick several times a day, uh, take a, a blood sampling, get a blood glucose measurement, write it down somewhere, usually uh, in a log or something. Or if if the monitor was good enough, it would track that. Then from that you'd you'd be measuring how much uh, how much insulin you'd need to take to maintain a st- steady blood sugar reading. Uh, nowadays the the monitors are can be wireless, can be connected, so that those uh, readings are sent back to the care provider. Even better are these wearables now that can track uh, blood sugar continuously without the finger pricks, so that a care provider can keep track of a. Uh, of a of a person with diabetes, the, the vitals continuously. Uh, some of these also automatically uh, inject insulin when the readings reach specific levels. Um, we're going to see this with with other chronic conditions, COPD, asthma, um, other conditions that require constant tweaks to care management. As the devices, as the technology gets better. Um, the care manager the, the person at the other end of this platform will be able to, to keep track of the of the the readings and adjust them whenever it's needed um, then if you want you want to add in AI you want to add in machine learning do it as we move forward uh, the next the next level the next frontier will be machine learning AI will be uh, technology in the background um, algorithms that take that data and automatically uh, digest and analyze it Rather than relying on the care provider to, to analyze it, so the the platform you can see the platform it's it's starting to show up now uh, in diabetes care. Uh, this this platform will trigger an alert when a uh, when a person's blood sugar is low or high, and automatically in some places it can automatically trigger that that uh, the treatment uh, the. Triggers the pump to, to release more insulin to to combat the lows and highs. This is all done by algorithms by machine learning, um, rather than having a care provider at the other end decide to do that. It's it's still early. Um, Again, there's there's a lot of distrust of the technology right now, or concern, you know, skepticism as to how AI can uh, can affect care outcomes and whether we're going to be trusting AI too much to do that. But that's that's on the horizon. That's going to help, especially the care providers at the back end. If you've got the technology there to to analyze the data, uh, that reduces the workload on the care providers, so they can step in, see the data. See the results and um, and basically monitor the results and look at a more uh, uh, upper level uh, care management strategy rather than getting down and, and and you know just doing stuff that takes requires a lot of time and daily care management.
0: Okay. Also on the horizon is the remote patient monitoring virtual summit in July. I want to ask you some questions about the agenda. Things you're excited about. What are you looking forward to? Uh, all of it.
1: Uh, two two days, uh, July 13th and 14th. We've right now we've put together a, a synopsis of of where RPM stands now. Two keynotes, two panels especially stand out. Uh, we're going to have an opening keynote from. Uh, Deaconess health uh, a midwest based health system, which actually launched an rpm program before covid nineteen they 're focusing very specifically on cardiac care um, and that really is is the model for adopting rpm uh, pick a very specific population. Um, uh, then, uh, so that you have a very specific set of data that you want to get from them, uh, the d- devices used are limited. You know, you don't need too much. You're looking for very specific outcomes. They did that with cardiac care, and they've already produced some really good outcomes. So they're going to be talking about how they launched that program, the outcomes they've seen from caring with uh, caring for patients with cardiac conditions at home, and also they're going to give us a little bit of a uh, an idea of what they're going to what, where they're moving with this, how they're branching out. Uh, but this is the this is the way you get into RPM. Alongside that, we'll have a keynote panel um, of of three people who will be talking about basically the idea, the the strategies involved in launching. An RPM program, and this panelist is going to be very diverse. We've got executives from the Community Care Cooperative, a Massachusetts-based collection of uh, federally qualified health centers, who are just now getting into RPM as a means of, of caring for patients who they normally see on a uh, on a irregular basis coming into their clinics. Um, they're especially interested in, in targeting um, chronic care management. Um, also, we'll have West Tennessee Healthcare. Um, They've they launched a they actually launched an RPM program to deal with COVID nineteen, uh, and now they're looking to expand. And finally, we'll have somebody from, from United Health Group, so we'll get a payer's perspective on this, how they're how they see RPM. Um, beyond that, as we get into the second day, we'll, we'll look at how RPM is evolving. Um, we're going to have a panel with three healthcare providers, uh, actually two healthcare providers, Oxner Health, whose RPM program is now nationwide. And UPMC, uh, University of Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Medical Center, who's got they've they've launched a specific uh, platform to monitor. Pregnant women and women who've who've just had children, uh, they're looking at hypertension, um, and they're also looking at expanding that program nationwide. And finally, we'll have a closing keynote from South Shore Health in Massachusetts, which is pairing an RPM program with mobile integrated health. Uh, This could be the next stage, the next evolution of the program. You're not only doing remote monitoring at home, but you're sending in specific care providers, home health, or in this case, specially trained paramedics to deal with a more um, diverse population. In this case, they're targeting patients that otherwise would be in the uh, the ICU or would be treated in a hospital. They're taking patients out of the hospital and into the home and creating care plans for them that, 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 that basically enable them to, to be cared for at home instead of the hospital. Something we're seeing, Medicare as a, as a new payment program, hospital home program, we're seeing a lot of actually over 200 hospitals involved in that. So we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, We're going to see a lot more of these programs where instead of talking patients that can stay at home and be treated by visits and so on and so forth, you're starting to talk about patients who are more sick, who should be in the hospital or would be in the hospital, but you're creating a platform to enable them to care, uh, to be cared for at home. The idea there and and the outcomes there are going to be very interesting. As we start seeing these programs produce data you want to prove that care at home is going to be less costly and more, uh, more effective. You're going to have better clinical outcomes than they would be if they were treated in the hospital. Let me, um, let me ask you a question about your, beat, your M Health Intelligence
0: beat. You've been doing this for, what, decades now in terms of
1: journalism? What keeps you excited and interested in this space in particular um, it probably it probably rpm is the greatest example of that because it 's something new and there 's always something new um, yeah when i started i mean I started basically in healthcare i t and healthcare finance, um, and we saw and this was ten twelve years ago we saw telehealth telemedicine as a new field at that time, um, so I started looking into it um, the, the back this is back then when the American telemedicine association uh, the conference was huge. It was just building up. And uh, people were just becoming interested in the idea of of healthcare outside of the hospital's walls. Uh, flash forward to today, you know, we're talking RPM. We're certainly talking RPM since COVID-19 as a new care platform. Um, we're talking about devices coming out of the home. Uh, smart devices, and we've had stories on on everything from smart toilet seats to smart refrigerators, smart patches, uh, glasses, uh, wearables, clothing uh, that can that can capture data and transmit it to care providers. Uh, we're talking uh, uniform or uh, actually uniforms that are being worn in space now that are being tested uh, to 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 capture data, and that, all that's part of the the RPM platform. Traditional telehealth and telemedicine is still. And will be huge as hospitals look to reduce, reduce the traffic in the hospital, within the hospital walls, and, and move care outside to different locations. Um, we're going to see a lot of different things. Um, the uh, CES conference in January is always thought of as being a huge consumer-facing technology thing. But over the past decade, the, 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 the amount of space taken up by healthcare in that setting... Pretty much exemplifies what we're seeing. It's healthcare no longer is restricted to the hospital, the doctors' office, the clinics. Uh, people are monitoring their own healthcare. Devices are coming up. You know, are, the Apple Watches, the Fitbits, and so on and so forth. They're coming out to help people monitor their own healthcare, and it's forcing doctors to take a look at how they can they can partner better with patients, with consumers to to improve care, um, to reduce. Those trips to the hospital or doctor's office that you don't need, and basically, and moving on to to create a health and wellness plan that that improves overall uh, quality of life. And so it's always, you know, this this field is always very innovative. It's always something new on the horizon that people are talking about, and but there's always something new that they're they're not talking about that suddenly shows up and and, and grabs grabs people's attentions. It's fun. It's
0: it's a lot of fun. Well, Eric, thank you for your time today. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Oh, certainly. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Feel free to reach out to me at kwedill at extelligentmedia.com. That's k-w-a-d-d-i-l-l at extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. You can also use that email to let us know if there are any health industry-related questions or stories you would like us to consider covering. And if you liked this episode and it sparked some thoughts for you, please head over to Apple and give us a few stars and a positive review. Thank you for listening. This has been an Exteligent Healthcare Media production.